But yeah. Yes, please commence. Okay. Hello, guys. Welcome. Uh, you are listening to the Dreams and Money, the podcast. And I have a special guest with me today is Kwaku Jr., who is uh, a philanthropist and a business wow. owner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never heard that one before, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> amen, I mean, amen, amen. <laughs> we're claiming it. <laughs> amen. Um, who is well known for owning uh, Quaker's Kitchen, which is a catering company. Yep. And um, what else did you do? Change for Ghana as well, which yes. is um, a charity which you recently started. So how actually how did it start? I feel like I've always wanted to ask you this ever since I've known you. I've like how did Quaker's Kitchen start? Like how did you start your business and what was kind of the interesting enough behind we, it? We went to the same uni, so I guess it started yeah. in uni. Um, my love for cooking. Um, up until uni, I hadn't cooked a, pot, a single pot of jollof rice before, really? so I pretty much learned my ve- my very first time cooking jollof rice uh, was through a phone conversation with one of my aunties. Who explained to me how to go about doing it? <laughs> so she was um, guiding you over the phone. Literally, how to no, cook. I, I literally, because I kind of have a visual, yeah, collection of how it was. They, made. they used to do it when I was at home. It was very easy for me to pick up. Says, okay, what process was it? Is it do I go this way first? Do I do this one first? So literally, through on having a phone conversation with them, it kind mm. of jogged my memory. And it's like, okay, this is how I do it. Get go and try it. So I tried it. It didn't come out as. You know, as authentic as I tasted it or as yeah. I've had when I was back home. So, you know, I gave it a, lot, a few more tries and, you know, through those, a few, a few, through trying a few times, um, I kind of, I'm a very, I'm a perfectionist. I like to get things right. Mm. Um, you know, the way I tasted, the way, you know, it is back home. So I tried a few times and, you know, kind of got it to the standard where I'm satisfied to say, okay, you know what? I can invite people over to come and try my food. And, you know, I had a few friends over um, living in the first accommodations, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It gets pretty boring. So the many friends they do, the friend, the little friends they do get, invite them over to come and chill, whether it's watching movies, whether it's uh, having yeah. drinks. And, you know, I offered them my food and, you know, the feedback and the comments were remarkable. Um, was very, you know, was really, was really yeah, yeah. positive. So that allowed me to think, oh, okay. You know, I'm and not bad. I'm not then, bad. <laughs> so the, what? From there, you were like, do you know? At what point were you like, I could actually make this a business? Um, it was actually, you know, starting uni. I did say to myself, I wasn't particularly fond of working part time. Mm. You no, know, steady Monday to Friday is, is enough work than to be working on the weekends as well, yeah, as many people it can did be do. Stressful, yeah. it, I just didn't feel like that's what I want to do. So you know, between juggling uni money, uni student student loan, or whatever that you get from the student loan, whatever amount is left of it, and um, just having some savings before uni, I kind of okay, I can do with it. But then, as money was getting um, funds were becoming less and less, <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, my friend funds was like, got low. yeah, my friend's like, Quakey, you know, you can cook. Why don't you sell it to people? Because a lot yeah. of us are away from home and we can't cook and we can't always go back to London to go and get our yeah. parents' food. So that kind of gave me an idea. And um, coincidentally, um, at the same time, I was kind of reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, which is mm. a book I'm sure a lot of people have read. Yeah, I love that um, book. And I think, although it's not really, they didn't, they didn't say work, it means, you know, you have to learn how to make your money work for you. Uh, but being in uni, I didn't, you know, there's so much mm. to do with making money work for you. So I was more, I was more interested in how I can make extra income whilst studying at the same time. And, you know, the idea came in. Yeah. Why don't you start a student-friendly student friendly priced um um african takeaway for you know the nigerians the Ghanaians, the africans and even the non-africans um in that want, want to try new food yeah. and basically that's where it began um 
So from cooking my small kitchen in uni to where we are today. To now catering. Yeah. Actually, I remember being at my, um, I think this was during the last summer, being at one of my friend's uh, mom's birthday parties. And, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the food. I'm, you know, shaking a leg, had a bit of gel off, like all this food that was there. And, you know, just asking her, oh, like, where did you get this? And she was like, oh, like, um, Kweku's company catered it. I'm like... This food is lit. I need a takeaway box, okay? <laughs> I need some takeaway because it's really good. Um, but then, let's say, fast forward years later to you starting in your university kitchen to now, what would you say is has been the biggest challenge for you in, let's say, growing the business? Um, the biggest challenge for me um, started off as a, you know, student-friendly takeaway in uni, um, just a, a a means to get extra income and obviously mm-hmm. I enjoyed ma- I enjoyed cooking and I enjoyed the feedback I got from people you know tasting my food oh quick your food is nice mm-hmm. those kind of things it kind of you know brought out a new hobby myself that I didn't realise I, I enjoyed doing which was mm-hmm. cooking um, I enjoyed you know learning things trying new things and making things on the spot kind of whenever I'm bored I just used to go yeah. into the kitchen um, you know so the reality hit me when I came to London. Um, London is such a big, the whole bigger, uh, big ball game, mm. and it's kind of, oh, it's kind of scary. You know, I don't feel like uni adequately prepares you for the life of the adult yeah. life, should I say, when you leave uni. And um, the composition, would you say, is the, the composition that it brings? Most certainly. Um, the adult world. The com- com- competition almost kind of said, okay, I'm not ready for this. Um, so, really? you know, I went into the, the world of working. So I was working mm. as an operations manager in an architectural practice for almost three years um, after uni. Um, that was my first formal job. And, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I always, I always did say in hindsight, I can't see myself doing this to retirement. But, you know, I feel like there's valuable skills and transferable skills I can learn from working in the corporate environment, should I yeah. say, which will allow me to better, be better equipped for the real world real world world, of entrepreneurial skills and Mm. business owning and all those kind of things so i found my experience working in um the corporate world very very useful and i feel like a lot of things i learned during that those three years is what has allowed me to be able to be more cautious and be more aware of the things i'm doing now okay so then would you say that was sort of imperative in growing your business and just kind of not only building your skills but being able to um expand the business a little bit more versus had you just gone straight into being um, full-time owning your business and focusing on your business alone? Yeah, most certainly. Um, I feel, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to, you know, it's good to work. I feel, um, you know, I was, I go by the saying, you know, to be an employer, you need to be an employee and mm. you learn more um, being an employee, being on the other end of things um, at times because, um, as long as you're not working for the sake of working and you're working to learn with a goal in the end um, that's the kind of mindset I adopted you know I always wanted to go through what it feels like to work in a corporate world or work the typical nine to five so that I understand you know what I'm getting myself into yeah. that the, the fact that when I do get into this world of entrepreneurial or being self-employed or being a business owner there's going to be a lot of risks there's going to be a lot of um, uncertainties there's, no, there's going to be a lot of irregularities in, in income and all these kind of things yeah. I feel if you don't if you don't experience how the other end is you will never know how it is how to manage it how to whilst manage it whilst you're, yeah, whilst you're kind while of while you're not the business owner yes, the ex- CEO exactly there we go so which then leads me to my next question now that you know you, you are I'm sure catering to like um, bigger audiences you need people to to help you you know you can't do yeah. anything on your own how do you then sort of kind of 
manage if if you have a team of staff with you um, or do you no, sort I of believe... have the volunteers with you? Like, how do you manage that and being being the the chef, I guess, or or, or being the, the I strongly manager. believe in you know the freelance opportunity. So what I do do, um, I've got trusted um, chefs, um, mm-hmm. caterers who have over twenty years in experience. So you know, aunties and aunties, for example, that have have their own business, but mm. they may not have this formal structure that I have. And which I've spoken to them, we've collaborated. It's more of a collaboration. I like to adopt a collaborative collaborative approach in, yeah. all, in everything I do. Where you know I've told them, okay, this is what this is my proposal. What, what was your thoughts? You know, you're good at what you do. You're good at, for example, making Nigerian cuisine. Um, I can learn from you, but at the same time, I want to I want to dedicate my time focusing on the overall business um, on the service I deliver to the end user or the clients in the mm. end, as opposed to being cooking all you know it can be a jack of all trades but at the same time it, the quality might lack in some certain it's aspects else, yeah. which you don't um one of the key things i've learned from reading books is you know a good employer allows people that are good at technicality stuff to do what they do best yeah. and you focus on them work on the company not in the company yeah, uh, which so is something i'm being able to delegate properly there we go which okay. is something i'm continuously learning i'm very I like things to be done the same way and you know being I like to be hands-on or so so being it's kind of a conflict for, for myself it's a learning curve for myself <laughs> in terms because I was like oh why are you doing it this way and I'm learning yeah, gradually from just each being a perfectionist I can imagine you've got a vision of how I want it to be, to be done there we go this way it needs to be presented in a specific way so just kind of learning to let go yeah, and that's, um, let trust other people that to is do one of sort my, of your role that's one of my biggest challenges um doing all this and it's like you know i do understand the benefits of allowing our people to prosper and allowing other people to do what they're good at mm-hmm. but at the same time it's all about communication which is very very important in any business you need to learn how to communicate with your team you know be vocal and what what doesn't work and what works and see how you can do it, work together to you for the betterment of the the end goal to achieve the end goal Okay, so let's say you're in a situation where you know you're you're working with your team and a team member is just not doing something how you would want them to. How how do you deal with that conflict and sort of um, resolve that issue in order for it to not affect the business in in a sort of way? Um, I think it's always good to act at a very early stages before before things become habitual or become a mm. become a habit. Mm. Um, so I I always you know I like to. Just, know let people know when things are happening at the very onset you know whether it's pulling them to the side to say okay you know what i see you doing this way it's not really going to get the results we want so can you consider doing this way and maybe they might have a way of doing it that therefore it's working for them so kind of try and get understanding of where um where their kind of ideology of how they're doing it came from so you can kind of see where's a compromise Mm. where you can actually meet halfway so okay you're doing it this way because you want to get you want to do it get it done quicker. How about adopting this kind of style to add to it to make sure we achieve we, the we end goal? The, yeah, yeah. So I think if everything, um, with everything that happens in life, communication is important, and you need to learn, especially in life, you're going to work with all kinds of people from all sorts, from all parts of the world, and with all different different kind of skill sets. Mm-hmm. So if you can communicate, which is very important, you know, there's nothing that's not achievable. Let's get a bit controversial. Okay. So as a black business owner, how do you feel um, about, you know, that there's a lot of rhetoric around the idea that sometimes black businesses don't always provide the best customer service or they may not always cater to your every need. 
in comparison to other demographics in their businesses? What What do you have to say to that? Um, I think there's some truth. There's a lot of truth to it. Um, really? You know, being on the other end, you know, being a being a client, you know, mm. when you seek services before I, be, I started cooking, uh, you know, I've had family events where we we, we ask for service from other caterers, and you know, quite often we have the typical caterers that are know family relatives that can cook and you know, everyone mm-hmm. says they're caterer everyone can cook and i think you know over the years we've kind of got a um, negative stereotype associated with a lot of black businesses not just catering in general but yeah. a lot of black businesses and most of the common the common factor which you know, a lot of people see as a problem is our service and how we do how professionalism and service how we do all things um you know it's unfortunate, but there is truth in it. Where where something becomes a common a common theme or common fact yeah. in everyone's mouth, there must be some truth. There must, there's there's, there's some, no smoke there's without no, fire. There we go. So um, I thought you know we need to look at the root cause of this problem, which is you know whether whether we need to train ourselves better, whether we need to do certain courses to better equip ourselves. You know, there's one thing loving to do something, and there's another thing calling a business. Yeah, that we need to kind of understand the difference between owning a business. And you know, having an interest that you happen to be good at, but you're charging for it. Yeah. You know, you can yeah, you can absolutely. do hair. It means you enjoy doing hair. And you want to charge for it, but it doesn't don't necessarily say it's your business. You know, because yeah. a business, as soon as you call something a business, or you you want something to be perceived as a business, there's a lot of you know expectations that comes with it, accountability, like you said, and responsibilities. Mm. And until you can fulfill those roles, you can't necessarily say your business. You're just someone that knows how to do something. You're charging for it. Mm. It's a different. They're trying to make profit off your hobby. Of, yeah. A business, you know, we we need to look at it from a, a generic point of view. Every mm. business we go to, when you walk into Harrods, you expect a certain service when you're approached by the members of staff. Yeah. That's a the same standard. There we go. We need to set that standard and upkeep that standard and not let it differ collectively. Um, I feel you know we all have individual as clients. We have a role to play in it, and also as uh, employers or business owners, we have a major role to make sure we are, you know we set the standard high so that you know it doesn't differ and it's kind mm-hmm. of a collect. It becomes a standard of good service and not yeah it's alright yeah I'm alright if I go to this person I might do this and I think that's where the problem is. So then do you think? But then I don't know if this would apply to all demographics or maybe just black businesses. Do you think that then hinders the amount of success we do have as business owners because the the quality that we're providing or the the service that we're providing is not up to par and is not as great as people or clients would expect all the time? Most certainly. I think we kind of put ourselves in a narrow box. So we kind of... We kind of cap the level and reach we can reach from how we do things from the onset. I always say to people, if you want to see yourself as a top, you know, a top, top business, you know, look at your competitors, look at those people doing excellent work mm. and what you're doing and aspire, learn to from what they're like trying that. to do. And, you know, so even right though from the outset, you'll say there we go from the very inception of your business or whatever mm-hmm. service you're trying to offer, you need to adopt the mindset of. Ooh, in ten years' time, that's how I want to, I want it to look. So you start the ten years mentality now, mm. as opposed to waiting to get to ten years to grow. To grow so and to adopt to, to, to the growth mindset that. from the very beginning before you get to that stage. So that kind of makes everything and it kind of anyone you get on board onto your team can let them you know have the same drive, the same energy, the same you know the same aspiration to grow yeah. as you would. You like to see the company in ten years, and that I think once that becomes a norm it becomes easier for everything to flow smoothly. Yeah. Okay. So then I actually just saw you tweeting about, um, in terms of growing businesses, um, 
people supporting each other yeah. and especially us um, young millennials supporting each other and you know projects that we've got going on businesses or um, whatever it is that we're doing why is that why do you think that's so important um, I think supporting is very is very uh, supporting each other is very important um, especially in the, you know we're living in era of social media and um, social media is one of the most biggest probably powerful tools we have mm. at our disposal uh, as millennials whether it's on our phones whether it's on a computer or whether yeah. you know whether it is social media you can see a lot of these big corporate, corporate companies are using social media as an advertisement tool and most of the marketing campaigns and budgets surrounds is surrounded around social, social media, media use um i think it's very important to support one another and and when I say support, it doesn't necessarily mean, and I think I said, I know I did a lot of thread on Twitter. It's not necessarily about, you know, physically being there all the time or mm. buying tickets for your friends to friends, which, you know, I encourage people to do that. Mm. Um, but at the same time, quite often we have conversations, I've had conversations amongst peers and friends and, oh, I don't want to support this business because this, 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 that. And half the time, it's some, you know, it's somebody they know, it's a business, it's a business, a friend's business or somebody they know that can really they can easily get access to you for example you don't want to reach out to them and I've, or yeah. support comes in many forms uh, whether it's moral moral support physical support which is I mean attending financial yeah. support which is buying tickets or social support which is retweeting um, sharing the, spreading the word of mouth word. all those kind of things are very important and you know the, the one I want to touch up on the most is moral and moral support because I feel when I when I say when I say moral support I, I'm, I mean in terms of people being able to tell people if your friend is not doing something the way you would like to see your friend's business doing you know, put them to the side um, you should do this in a certain way whether you see even if it's another business that you know is, you're all in the same industry and you know you might bump into them the next day you know at the same yeah. market stores or at the same pop-up shops you know to tell them okay I see what you're doing you know it's really good so Maybe like constructive criticism there we go I think feedback. There we go. feedback is very important constructive yeah. criticism is very important as well what we don't want is you know for it will affect all of us as a community if we just sit there and don't do nothing about it. You're you know, right. just to see the demise of another company or you You're know competition. Right. You know, there's enough space for all of us to win. But and then if do you feel like though sometimes part of that, and I think sometimes you feel like, oh, if I promote Quaker and his business, or if I promote um, Jackie down the road and her business, that means oh, maybe when I have a business, maybe they 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 may not support me, or I want to outshine them. So so let me not promote them. Let let me not support them because that may stop my shine. Um, I think that's a wrong mentality to have mm. um, because I feel you know when you go to for example, let's take um, Green Lanes. I don't know if those that don't know it, um, it's in Wood Green. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a low it's a long street of love restaurants. Majority of the restaurants on that road sell the same thing, the same food. Yeah, you know, it's Lebanese, Turkish food. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all, of, every single restaurant on that road sells the exact same identical stuff. Yeah. Every so every Sunday when you know we had for Mother's Day or just a normal Sunday every weekend, almost all the shops are filled up. Yeah. They're also the same thing. There's no difference. In, no, this is for name. The only thing that's different is their names. Yeah. But they all sell out. Why is that? You know, there's there is you know the, the, there is the unity. Support. There's a support mm. from the community, and all probably you know all the businesses on that road understand what they all have to offer. They could be offering the same thing, but there's enough room for everyone to win. And I thought that's the mentality we need to adopt. It's not always competition. Absolutely, competition is healthy. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, let's don't don't let negative feedback destroy another person's company in order to favor mm. yours. We should all support each other, and we should, where possible, offer feedback. 
yeah. constructive criticisms, which is very important. I and agree. I feel we can't all win. You're right. Um, there, there is room for everyone. And I think, you know, I think for some people, it's the maybe not understanding that someone else's shine does not dim your shine. That's and exactly. someone else's light being bright will not take away from your light being bright. Yours may even shine brighter because, you know, you guys are able to, to bounce off each other. So I think it's just, you know, making sure that we are supporting each other a lot more. Yep, you know? I agree. Um, and then what else I wanted to talk about was the charity that you started, which is amazing. Can you tell us more about that? Um, Change for Ghana, Change for Ghana, um, um, Change for Ghana. Change for Ghana is a not-for-profit organisation, mm-hmm. um, you know, registered here in London. Um, it's a, just an idea that we, you know, something I've been on my mind for a very long time. And fortunately enough, you know, um, I'd like to thank God for it. Um, just, you know, I came across, I had a conversation. I've been following the death of um, a famous Ghanaian art um, singer, mm-hmm. Ebony. Um, uh, Ebony, you know, had an accident in Ghana um, through, you know, I think there's a pothole in the road, wow. a main road. Yeah. And it's just like, it was, it was a tragic death, um, unfortunately. And it just sparked a lot of debates on, on Twitter, sparked a lot of debates amongst um, family members, friends about, you know, the death could have been avoided, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's due to infrastructure issues and something that could have been, you know, hopefully yeah. could have been prevented. Um, and, you know, and just like, it, that was kind of the last draw for me in terms of, oh, you know what? We can't sit there and always want the government to do something about, you know, the things that we're complaining about. I think, you know, as individuals, we have a responsibility, a role to play, to be accountable and Absolutely. to take, you know, take lead. And, you know, I always say change begins with yourself. If you want something to change, you need to be an example of change. Yeah. And, you know, that came, that's where the idea of Change for Ghana came from. And fortunately, you know, I DM'd a friend um, on Twitter. You know, we share the same, we're having the same conversation that mm. we're having. And I was like, oh, I've got this idea. That's what I'm thinking. You know, I think a, a wide range of us youth, you know, we all care about Ghana. That's where I'm from. You know, we we love, and we love Ghana. We know we, we see the great potential Ghana has, but I don't feel the potential has been realised. And she fully agreed with me and said, you know, what can we do? So we said, what can we do about it? So there, we, there that's where the whole idea of change for Ghana came from, to gather uh, like-minded, like-minded individuals mm-hmm. um, who share the same love for Ghana, for example, and want to collectively help those in less those, those in a lesser position mm-hmm. and those that need help uh, the most. So it's not necessarily about making money or starting businesses um, necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's about providing aid in the form of monetary um, donations or whether it is voluntary donating clothes, okay. whatever it is, it's trying to help those that need the help the most. And we always, we said, um, one of the biggest key factors is education. We feel like the, the new generation coming, so the children now will be able to take Ghana where it should be. So education is very important. Um, mm. Hence why we feel like, you know, every child should have a right to education. You know, every, every child, not everyone should be, it shouldn't be held back because of money to get to get education that you need. And, yeah. you know, so so at the moment, would you say the child is focusing on young children and teens, or was it focusing on adults, or you don't have a certain we've demographic? Got, that we've you're got many with? sectors that we're, we're trying to, you know, as part, of, as part of our business model, as part of our, our goals. You mm-hmm. know, we want to work on education, we want to work on sanitation, we want to work on health, we want to work on in- infrastructure. Mm. All these are very, very big sectors that, you know, need a lot of attention, a lot of detail, a lot of yeah. projects, you know, management, a lot of research to be put into it before it becomes you know um something that we can tackle uh, ourselves but you know with all things we can't do it alone we need support of you know 
our family and friends, yes. um, people in Ghana, and hopefully we can reach out to the government one day and you know get get them on board. You know that there's a lot of us young people in the diaspora, the Ghanaian, the Ghana diaspora in the UK that want that care about Ghana, but we feel like we're limited. We feel like we can't get through to the right people to bring about change in Ghana, and you know. Um, th- what we're trying to do we're trying to take action ourselves and help those less fortunate you know whether our, we just we've done it recently our launch event was a karaoke night which we raised over a thousand pounds towards our first wow, cause that's amazing and the first cause was we literally um, we built a level making workshop in, mm-hmm. in one of the towns in um, Ghana and it's for stu- um, for students with visually and um, hearing impairment and that allowed them to be able to get trained in leather making so how to make leather bags shoes uh, belts which yeah. allow that gives them sustainable solutions such as being able to make these things when they leave so that they become employable or they become self-employed because yeah. so, quite often what we do find is people with disabilities um after education get neglected and they're not you know they're not counted amongst those people that get jobs or people yeah. that and they become you know beggars they become you know not as a future prospect is not very uh, promising so what by working with um our Ghanaian partners so maiden way pa- um, partners in ghana you know we found a school um which is called demo deaf demonstration deaf for, for the for the deaf and in, in ghana which allowed us to you know build a first level making workshop for them wow that's, that sounds amazing so um for people who let's say are you know um in the uk and let's say second third generation and they feel like they're just not connected to their roots or where their parents are from could they be expected to contribute towards you know a country where they feel they're very disconnected from and they, they their roots are no longer there i always say um you know charity begins at home um i think that's one of the most important things and you know um as much as you can be born here you make the british um there's always, you know, where your parents are from, mm. you know, is is somewhere, it's home as well. Because yeah. you, you connect to that place through your parents. Yeah. You know, you grew up, certain, certain mannerisms, certain cultural beliefs that you have, it's all through that connection back home through your parents. It might necessarily be not through you physically being there, but through your parents, that's how you've been raised up. Mm. And I feel that's how, you, that's how you make a connection. You know, with uh, a line of ancestors, you always find somewhere there's always a trace of where you're from. Yeah. And it's because, you know, you don't just wake up and say, oh, I just came out of nowhere. You know, there's always a history <laughs> kind of almost. And I feel it's up to us to, you know, search where we're from and also kind of try and find a common ground in which we can relate to that place, whether mm-hmm. it's by visiting it for the first place, uh, for the first time to see how it's like, see, yeah. uh, or whether it's through, you know, yeah, I think visiting is important or whether it's watching a documentary about it. You know, you always find something that you can relate to or similarities. That's, oh, you know what? I grew up doing the same thing they did. And, you know, it's always a common theme that links you back to that place. So then, would do you think there is a responsibility on our part, the second, third generation, um, to invest invest back into you know where we're from whether that's africa or the caribbean or you know south south america wherever you're from do you feel like it is part of our responsibility to make sure that we are investing back to um you know these countries that we originally are from um personally i believe so um because that's 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 a belief that i i hold um you know it's not necessarily don't invest it i'm not saying go invest in it blindly before the sake of investing in it investing in it because you want to 
you know, provide, you know, whether it's you're trying to start a business back home, you know, a business in the Caribbean mm. or in Africa, you know, that's you're going to make money from it. At the same time, you're going to provide opportunities for those the locals and the residents in that place, yeah. whether it's through, you know, employment, you know, getting them on board to work in your business or work in your company. You know, it's like you're killing more than, you're killing one bird of two... St- <laughs> you're killing two birds with one stone um uh, that's it you're killing two birds with one stone almost yeah. and you know there's benefits for you and there's benefits you know to, to the country and to other people yeah uh, which i feel is very important i guess yeah and I, I agree with you 100 percent. um and i think it's it's important that we don't always look at things as how is it going to benefit me but also how is it going to um, benefit the other people around me whether that's you know the the people that are on the ground that like you were saying the people in your country who may um, have a job opportunity only because you you know you've started that little business or you've um, whatever it is that you've you've done to invest in that country um, it's important that we we are you know putting back our time and our and our um, energy you know because as much as we are living in the UK or America or whatever that is, I mean, home is home, you know, and you never know, maybe one day they'll say, get up, take your bags and go back to where you've come there from. There we go, you never know. <laughs> so you know? When, the, when the push comes to shove, you will find yeah. where you come from, whether you feel like you're born here or not. Um, or not. And I feel like that's what we need to remember. Um, as much as we're born here or as much as we're from here, we spend most of our life here, this is not home. Um, it's home. In a physical sense, but there's there's a home waiting for us where we you know we're loved, we you know we're not discriminated against, we're not judged, and we you know we can go back anytime we want. Yeah, I agree. And as much as you know, I think for somebody like myself who was actually not born in this country um, and was born elsewhere, you know, you you can still feel the difference of home. And yeah, like this is where I reside. This is where I have my family. However, my heart will always belong to um, be belong somewhere else. Yeah. Um, in terms of the charity, well, what can we look forward to from you guys, and what what's the future looking like? Um, the future is looking bright. Uh, looking bright, God willing. Um, we just you know you know we had a team meeting towards a team. Uh, we've done the workshop in. The, um, school for the deaf people and also we've recently um donated we, just, we did a clothes donation we collected clothes from people that have uh, unwanted clothes mm-hmm. clothes that have, gr- have outgrown and shipped it to ghana which you know the lovely team of volunteers that traveled from here for christmas period and some volunteers in ghana um, helped donate these clothes to um, a homeless a children's home in in the town in Accra, oh, which was a very incredible. a fun a fun filled day, you know they they played dance music chairs with the kids, you know they spent time with the kids, bought them a little gift from London, a little snack from London, something that they haven't had on a normal day, yeah. and it was a great success. So look, the year forward looks like we're just going to carry the momentum that we've already picked up, and you know try and do other things, you know whether we're going to do a few more events to raise more funds to towards you know to charitable courses back home that we've you know we've got planned. So how can I guess listen support you guys and how can they get involved um, all um, the information in Change for Ghana all the information they need to know from Change for Ghana is on www.changeforghana.org uh, our website is you know we're on social media at Change for Ghana on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram which we use quite a lot so you know we are very active on both all platforms so by just following us you see what we're trying to do what we're doing our vision our aim and where we would like to be and how we would like to impact the lives of those that need it the most yeah 
That's great. Like, um, this, um, like, I'm absolutely inspired by what you guys are doing, and I think other people that are watching you guys do what you do are generally inspired to say, you know, if these guys are able to to make an impact by, um, you know, putting together the networks they have and the friends they have together, and just just start, it's it's incredible. Um, so before we come to an end, okay. a quick little game. All right. Um, so I'll ask you just a series of questions, chill questions, and um, yeah, we can go from there. So my inspiration is. My inspiration is. Is that a person we're referring to? Anything, anything. What inspires? Uh, you? What inspires me in achieving a sense of purpose, and I feel like the past year has allowed me. To, I've found my purpose which is helping others. Um, yeah. So I think that's where my inspiration comes from at the moment. I guess so a sense of fulfillment, mm. knowing that I'm helping. I'm not just, I'm not just existing. You know, I'm existing. Yeah. I feel like I'm existing. For, I'm here for a reason. And I feel like I'm realizing my, my reason, which is, you know, helping others, people less fortunate in whatever ways I possibly can. Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, what keeps you going? What keeps them going? Um, you know, every morning I wake up, I'm just, I'm grateful. You know, I'm alive, I'm healthy. Every, I, feel, I, I feel like everything else is a bonus. Um, you know, the fact that I'm, pre, I'm here to see 2019, the third day of 2019, yes. it's, for me, that's where I used to, growing up, I used to feel like, oh, you know, I want this, I wanna, I've got this aim, I want to get this target, all these things. I used to worry about the things that I had no control of. Mm. And, you know, I've l learned to lean less on my own understanding of things and, you know, lean more on God and, and let God's will be done, kind of. Um, you yeah. know, I've become more, I've come closer to God, should I say, over the last, since, or the past year, should I say. And I feel like, you know, I guess, I've, you know, I'm in a calmer place, you know, a peace of mind. I don't worry about things no more. I just let, when tomorrow comes, we'll do it tomorrow. Okay. It doesn't It doesn't mean don't plan, plan, but also... Don't worry about things that you haven't got control of. Because when you you can plan for ten years ahead, you might not make it t t in ten years time. You never know. So yeah, as so long as you've got life, gratitude, uh, gratitude, you know, be grateful. Important. I think gratefulness is very important. Okay, and then if you had to give your sixteen-year-old self advice, what would it be? It can be more than one thing. Oh, my sixteen-year-old advice, sixteen-year-old quirky. <laughs> what would I have given? <laughs> um, I probably would have said, you know, read a bit more. Uh, read. And I feel like a lot of things I've learned now, um, I've learned a lot during uni, but at the same time, I could have learned the same things by reading from a very young age without going mm -hmm. to uni. Um, you know, just is, you know, be able to dare, dare yourself, take risk, I think. Um, Ooh, and I feel like one. I didn't do much of that. You know, I was just the standard, oh, teenager, you're going to go to uni, you're going to work, da, 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 da. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like there's more to life than just that, um, you know, dare to take risk and dare to go out of your comfort zone which I feel like I've done I've been doing re recently and you know it's good it's a good feeling it, don't get me wrong it's not always going to be how you want it it's not always, yeah. always going to be rosy it's never rosy but um, they're just the falling down and getting back up it's like oh I made it back and up let's go again like resilient yeah resilience it. yeah it's very important and just you have to keep keep pushing okay so keep pushing uh, be resilient read, read and we said be daring Ask questions as well. Always ask questions for those those that are doing already, and don't be scared. Okay, I like that. Thank you, Kweku. You're welcome. Where where can people find you? Where can they follow you? What's your accounts? I'm on Twitter, Kweku underscore Junior. My business page is Kweku's Kitchen. So K W A K U S Kitchen. How you spell normal kitchen? So it's at Kweku's Kitchen at Kweku underscore Junior, which is my personal blog, my personal page. Um, you know, Change for Ghana at Change for Ghana. 
at Change for Ghana. Um, we're on Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, all the platforms I've mentioned already. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, and in terms of the business, what can we look forward to as well? Um, you know, um, last year I had a lot of plans, like I said, <laughs> for Quakers Kitchen, but you know, God had other plans for me. You know, I've I think the catering aspect of Quakers Kitchen took off to a brilliant start last year, and you know, um, I feel like people are getting what I'm trying to do. You know, in terms of I'm trying to redefine your experience of West African cuisine free service. Um, service is what you know. Mm-hmm. Service is my niche. Service is my selling point because I feel like that's something that you know, as a collective, the industry from West African caterers is lacking, or yeah. it's very few that are doing it right. And I feel you know it needs to be a collective effort. And if if I can start and hopefully people get along, people get it what I'm trying to do and the clients we have the expectation that it's not of the negative stereotype. Um, you know, so this year we're trying to, uh, you know, I'm trying to release a, f- a few more products. So whether it's doing the recipes, whether it's doing um, tutorials, um, whether it's doing cooking classes, there's a lot of things oh, in the pipeline. I'll so attend one, definitely. So, you know, let's we pray on yeah. it and we'll plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thank you for sitting down and talking to me and, you know, instilling all this knowledge onto us. Thank you. Um, and you've been listening to Noma. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow me on uh, Dreams and Money podcast on Instagram. That's Dreams and Money podcast. Thank you. Baby.